Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Faye Carsters building in beautiful Midtown, Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Devil Girl from Mars. Well, hey everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. It's our first uh, what, post-Christmas podcast. Indeed. Pre-New Year's. Last of 2019 podcast. Yeah, wow. The last podcast of 2019. And, oh boy, we picked a winner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go with a bang here. Yeah, I, I think we would pick something a little more uh, notable, but that's okay. It's what we had. Yeah. It's what we wanted to see. Yeah, well, and actually, this is going to be kind of a twofer also. Okay. Because, you know, we, we decided to do this movie, Devil Girl from Mars. This one I saw a long time ago. And I thought, well, you know, back the, back when I watched it, well, maybe we'll do a podcast on it eventually. It's kind of quirky. But Christmas Day, we decided, since we the last podcast we recorded was Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. And on recommendation from Tony, we decided <laughs> to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Dos. Two. <laughs> yeah, part two. <laughs> oh, boy. And we can't not talk about that movie. <laughs> I don't think it's enough. Of either one of those to do an hour's worth of talking on a podcast. That is, that is probably true. So, yeah. So, we're going to talk a little bit about Solid Night, Deadly Night, but the main thrust of the podcast is Devil Girl from Mars, we hope. I kind of have a feeling we're going to talk more about Solid Night, Deadly Night, too. <laughs> we, we, we might as well name this one for both of them, but anyway. It's going to be listed for both what of them. What a twofer. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so Silent Night, Deadly Night. Let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Two. Part two. Which really is just Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. With some extra scenes. It's an amazing film. <laughs> it is an amazing film. The first pretty much 45 minutes of the film, uh, and I'm not sure the total running time, but is flashbacks. To the first movie. To the first movie. It's literally just scenes from the first yeah. movie that they have edited together through flashbacks from the brother, Ricky, right? Yeah. The basic plot is the... The little brother in the first movie who sees his brother in the Santa Claus suit get killed. Yes. And sees a priest in a Santa Claus suit get killed before that. They both happen right in front of him. Yeah. Remember? He's in a asylum now because I guess he killed somebody. Yes. He he killed his girlfriend. He killed his girlfriend. That's and right. that, that her ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So it's an interview. A doctor is interviewing him. Yes. And he's talking about all the stuff that happened. And then there's a couple of flashbacks. They filmed new things of when he was young. Right. And then we get why he was in prison, how he killed his girlfriend. And then he gets out of prison. Mm-hmm. And then we have some, some a little bit more new footage. Yes. Of him just randomly walking down the street shooting people. Yes. He's on his way to kill uh, Mother Superior. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mother Superior. Yes. And he finally gets in a Santa Claus suit right at the end, tying the Christmas theme together. Oh, yes. oh, but another cool thing is when he's with his girlfriend, the whole flashback thing with his girlfriend, and they're in a movie theater watching a movie, he, and he turns to her and says, what's this movie about? And she says, oh, it's about a guy who dresses up in a Santa Claus suit and kills people. Yeah, so they're seeing Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, well, they're seeing the footage of the very beginning of Silent Night, Deadly Night, where mm -hmm. the guy in the Santa Claus suit is robbing the convenience store. Yeah, It's exactly. that scene. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, not even pretending, you know. A very surreal movie. It was right just there. bizarre. I mean, so 
what the story to this is, I mean, Joe Bob Briggs, I guess, recently ran Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, and he spoke about this. But for those of you who didn't see that, from what little I remember, um, not from him, but from talking to Tony and from your research, the people who bought the rights to Silent Night, Deadly Night, after it was re-released later, discovered that it had a following and that it was popular enough they wanted to make a sequel. So they took it to two editors and said, here, take this movie cut it up and chop it back together and make a second movie out of the same footage. Yeah, re-edit the movie to make another movie. And right, and the editors were like, um, no, we can't do that. <laughs> but if you give us budget and some time, we can we can film some extra scenes and put it around it and make a second movie. Yeah. So apparently they were given, I don't know, I think it was something like $100,000 in yeah, it was something seven days budget, or yeah. something to do the extra scenes. Well, the scenes with the doctor, the interview and the asylum, that was done over two days. Okay. All right. So, you know, so this movie is, okay, I loved watching it. It was hilarious. This is not high art, (laughs) you guys, but it was, it was so much, it was terrible acting. playing Ricky? Those eyebrows killed me. His acting was horrendous and the eyebrows will totally distract you. You have to watch the eyebrows. Every time... He said something. He would his, make his eyebrows go up and down. Yes. It's like that was his dramatic emphasis. It's like it's like one of those puppets with the eyebrows. That, <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. Oh, anyway, um, but besides I did, that. I did find out, though. For uh, that amount of money and that amount of time, I think they might have actually done a decent job. The, the eyebrows move up and down 130 times. Oh, my God. Somebody, <laughs> <laughs> somebody counted. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> it's worth watching for the eyebrows. It really is. It totally is worth watching for the eyebrows. But they should have their own name. Yeah, it sold me on. I mean, Tony sold me on the telling that they just were told to recut the movie and make a new movie. Yeah, and they just filmed a couple extra scenes to wrap around mm-hmm. and made it. I'm like, okay, because I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and I had to see how they did it. Yeah, what did they do? And it it was funny. You're right. It really it wasn't that bad, but it was bad. Oh yeah. If they had a better actor playing Ricky mm-hmm. it would have saved it as yeah. far, and, and not by much Ricky was but... amazing Rob what are you talking about <laughs> it made it totally worth watching god he was awful <laughs> another thing too now even with filming that extra footage and the re-editing and stuff they still ran 10 minutes short of the time the movie was the running time it's supposed to be really so there's 10 minutes of closing credits. We didn't sit through all that. Oh, my God. They ran because because they used almost two-thirds of the original film. They ran the entire credits for the original film, plus the credits for this film. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is insanity. So, next Christmas. Oh. If Are we going to watch them for, both? Oh, yeah. We'll have to watch them back to back. What's the point? You've watched the first movie twice with some added scenes. Yeah, but we're going to have to have some people over and watch oh, them. Oh, God. Watch them together. <laughs> so if you need a good Christmas double feature next year, <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Oh, no. Must see. There's uh, so much more now, the to odd, that. The odd oh. thing about these two is the first two movies, which were the are the cult favorites, mm-hmm. have nobody in them. Yeah. Linnea Quigley is the only one. Right. The next three have major stars on their downslide. Yeah. 
Robert. Now Culp. we haven't seen. No, we haven't yet. seen three, four, and five. Robert Culp's in one. Mickey Rooney's in one. Mm-hmm. But the next three don't have anything to do with the first two. Just well, the title and it takes place at Christmas. Yeah. Well, the first two were quite enjoyable. The second one, amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> So much fun to watch. Bad. It was terrible. (laughs) But but a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, get your drink of choice, order some pizza, get a bunch of friends over and sit down and watch it. Oh you will have a ball. And you know what? If you haven't seen the first one yet, you really don't have to. (laughs) You can skip it and just watch the second one because they give you the entire movie in the first one. But really, you should watch the first one. Yes. So you can be amazed at how much footage they use from it (laughs) for the second one. And it's more of an impact of like, what the hell? Yeah. And by the way, I just want to point out that Ricky is telling all of this from his own perspective as if everything that happened in the first movie, he was there for, that he saw and witnessed. And half the crap. Well, first off, the the very beginning stuff, he was an infant in a car seat and saw none of it. And there's no way he he remembered it. A baby. Yeah. yeah. So he could not have witnessed any of that. The rest of the stuff that he talked about was stuff that his brother was doing. While while Ricky was at the orphanage and his brother was out doing stuff all over town. Yes. So there's no way he knew any of that. And then there was one scene from the first movie <laughs> where the cops break into this house where they see a Santa Claus going in where through a window he nor where neither cops. he nor his brother were involved. <laughs> so who knows how the hell he told that part of the story. Anyway, there's no logic here. There doesn't None. need to be. It was hilarious. You should watch it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Two thumbs right up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So we had okay. an entire giant tangent sort of, well, this Silent is a Night, Deadly Night 2. I'll put we're, some pictures we're officially up the calling this, this a twofer. One. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Post-Christmas and then going into the new year with Devil Girl from Mars. Okay. Now, Devil Girl from Mars is one of those that, looking at the poster and some of the pictures, it looks like it should be a lot more fun than it is. And a lot more that 50s kitsch atomic sci-fi style, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I really expected more from this than we got. If it was an American film, mm-hmm. it might have been. Really? Yeah, it might have been because it's 1957. I mean, sorry, 1954 is when it came out. Mm-hmm. So it was just in the, getting in the middle of the Atomic Age stuff. But it's a British film. Okay. And British films, are, to American audiences anyway, are notoriously slow mm. and tend to drag on. Even some of the Hammer stuff that I love. There's no argument. I mean, there are periods in some of the films that is, they slow down quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I didn't find this one really slow. Maybe there were a few moments where it was like, I don't really understand the point of this scene. So maybe you could consider that slow, but yeah. I didn't. Well, it's it's that. It's I was this, constantly engaged. Like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, it's this 50s sci-fi movie, but then it has these periods of, I guess, character development. Yeah. That just, the movie just dies. Yeah. The rhythm of what's going on mm-hmm. just kind of dies and now you're in a story about this girl in the sky and this they're you know the love interest which ha- really doesn't have much bearing on what's going on the plot of the film well it, it's not written well into the script you are right yeah. it, there are ways it could have been done well and i think that 
that kind of character development was necessary to give a shit if these people live or not. Okay, here, look. I'm going to just rattle off a couple lines. This is the, the IMDb synopsis okay. of the film. All right. And this will express it like clearer, than I guess, than, than I'll be able to. All right. And I'm not going to read the whole thing either. Okay. Okay, but just see how long this is before the action starts happening. Okay. Okay. The opening scene, we get some action. A passenger plane is destroyed in mid-flight in a shower of sparks. Okay. Scene switches to an isolated inn somewhere in the Scottish Highlands on the radio. Broadcast explains a bright light is seen. Tommy, the little boy, is sent to bed by his aunt, Mrs. Jameson. We don't see Tommy again for a while. Right. Okay. He's gone. And the aunt explains, despite what the radio said, the meteor landed 40 miles away from where they are. Uh, nearby, uh, Professor Hennessy and Michael Carter, reporter, American reporter, stopped on the side of the road. Background, the car's radio warns that an escaped murderer is on the loose. Back at the inn, Doris, the uh, this is the waitress there. This is Adrian Corey, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's a knock at the door, and it's the escaped murderer, Justin, who she knew. Yes. They had a relationship. Mrs. Jameson interrupts a reunion. I thought his name was Robert. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, Robert Justin. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Justin's his last name. Sorry. Okay. Mrs. Jameson interrupts the reunion. Dars makes up a backstory for him that he was a hiker and he got lost. And now his name's Albert. Yeah, now his name's Albert. Guest Ellen Presswick, who's Hazel Court, fashion model from London, joins the couple for a drink, takes an interest in Justin, convinced she's seen his face before. Hennessy and Carter arrive at the end looking for lodgings. That's the professor and the reporter. The professor's immediately attracted to the model. I mean, the the... Reporter's immediately attracted to the model. She keeps blowing him off. And Miss Presswick, I guess, what's that? That's Hazel Court. Yeah. Sees a flash of light through the windows. The professor is condescending, suggests she either imagined it. It's nothing to worry about. He's there to, t- to look for a meteor. And yeah. now he's dismissing her. No kidding. Dinner is served. Then you have some character stuff where the reporter recognizes the murderer. And then a spaceship lands. And then the spaceship finally lands. Yeah. After all that. Now, that's not that bad, really. I mean, it's a little character no. development. You I know. mean, I think you needed to, you got to introduce yeah. everybody. You've got to, you've got to but it's a build lot. up some kind of yeah. story. It's a lot of characters and a lot of background and it stuff. It is. To get to the meat of this, this is a 50s exploitation yeah. atomic movie. We, we want to see the aliens. Well, this is true. Okay. And then it goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, a lot more in that synopsis. But the the devil girl from Mars shows up. And introduces herself. My name is Naya. Which is, it's spelled Nya. It's the way it's spelled. <laughs> what are you, Skeletor now? Nya. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been cooler if she was said, my name is Nya. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. But she shows up to tell them that uh, she's from Mars and. Which at this point, I would just like to say that I find it funny that. She says she's from Mars. They just happen to call their own planet Mars because that's what we call it. Well, he's, she's, <laughs> says, you speak English. She said, why? Well, why shouldn't I? You speak English. Of course. You are English, aren't you? What other language should I speak? Anyway, doesn't matter. I just thought that was humorous. Continue. Yeah. But she uh, gets there to tell and tells him why she's there. Many of your Earth years ago, our women were similar to yours today. Our emancipation took several hundred years and ended in a bitter, devastating war between the sexes. So the race is dying out. Right. After the war of the sexes, women became the rulers of Mars. 
but now the male has fallen into a decline. The birth rate is dropping tremendously, for despite our advanced science, we have still found no way of creating life. So you come here for new blood. So they're going to bring one guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, basically the plot of the movie right there. Yeah. And they, uh, she puts a force field around the area so they can't get out of the grounds of the the Scottish Inn there. Yeah. And she keeps, the rest of the film, she goes. She walks back and back forth the from the spaceship to the. And then they have some inn. crap going on and she comes back out and tells them something else. And they try to shoot her one time and bullets. Either she, she, well, she has a personal force field where the bullets just bounce off, bounce off of her. Yeah, I couldn't tell. And she pulls out her dildo gun. And it does. Her ray gun looks like a dildo. Yeah. And she disintegrates. Uh, Some oh, guy. Oh, there was the hunchback innkeeper assistant. Guy, oh, right. The handyman that was only there for a minute or two. Yeah, I forgot about Because he him. was imperfect. Yes. So she disintegrates him. Right. Then, some reason, she introduces him. She gets them all outside and brings her big robot off the ship. Johnny. Ch- Shawnee. Oh, Shawnee. C-H-A-N-I. See, that's, that's Phyllis's ears. I couldn't yeah. hear that. I really thought she called him Johnny. Oh, it might have I was like, Chani. wow, I wonder Chani. why Johnny. Okay, well. Anyway. Are you alone in the ship? Johnny is with me. Johnny? Johnny is a mechanical man, a robot with many of the characteristics of a human, but improved by an electronic brain. Big-ass robot. Yes, big-ass robot. Uh, impressively big. Yes, and very clunky. Very clunky and square looking. And then she proceeds to, you know, show her superiority by having him shoot rays and disintegrate a tractor and a little shack and stuff all, you know, disintegrate Random stuff all things. over their land there. And yeah. then he goes back into the ship. What's the power of another world? That's it. That's it. And I think he comes out one more time. We see him. And she has this this trident-like gun thing that controls the robot. Yes. Um, that looks like two long drill, three long drill pieces on the end of a gun or something. It's odd. And there's no other real purpose for the robot. I mean, unless they're trying to rip off, you know, Day the Earth Stood Still type thing. Mm. And then the rest of the film, it's it has this character development parts of the t- relationships between... The reporter and the model start to get close, and then the scientists and the other guys are there. They start talking about, it. and then the the devil girl comes back in, the Martian, yes. and makes some kind of proclamation and telling them what they need to do. And then she goes back. And then we have some character development between the the escape murderer and the barmaid, right? And then they go back downstairs, and then the devil girl comes back and says something, and it goes back. It's very strange. And that's the done. movie. And then. It, she hides the the prisoner guy up in the attic or something. He's trying to escape. And then we see the little boy again, who I forgot about. Yeah, I'd forgotten about him, too. He was in bed. He was asleep. Yeah, but, I mean, it's and they only had him there to later on, she, the Martian chick, the devil she girl takes Mars, him. takes the little boy. She's using him as a bargaining chip, yeah. essentially. I'll take the boy, or, or you Yeah, you, you do come. this, or I'll take the what's boy. Gonna, That's right. What's she going to do with that little boy? That's disgusting. Who knows? And then they get the boy back, and then the rest of the film is them trying to decide which guy is going to go with them. Yeah. Oh, and then she takes the professor onto her ship. And shows them all just of to show her technology. Off. Yeah. yeah. See how advanced we are? And ha, ha, that, ha. Really? Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. That's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, and then they leave. 
and which which gives him the idea of how to destroy her ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she screwed herself. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back and he tells them what to do yeah. to destroy the ship. Then they have to decide who's going to go on the ship with her. But the the whole thing about who's going to go on the ship with her, it's a suicide mission. Not just they don't think that they're going to go on the ship and go to Mars. She thinks, well, she's headed to London after she leaves the inn because she, I can't yeah. remember what she's going to go to London and oh. do, but she's going to kill everybody. Or get more guys. Yeah, but she's going to kill everybody at the inn. And so she they, they one- think they're sacrificing themselves. They're going to go on the ship and blow the ship up when they get on there so that everybody yeah. else can live. Yeah. So, of course, the, the reporter guy has decided he's going to sacrifice himself and the model has fallen in love with him in the two minutes they've met yeah <laughs> so i love you yes yeah, so there's a big big drama she says i love you he goes mm, i gotta go babe <laughs> get on the ship <laughs> i wouldn't have been good husband material yeah but then the murderer can falsely accuse murderer or no, he, he actually did commit the murder. They never say exactly what happened, but he, he says he it was an accident. Yeah. Whatever happened. Anyway, he tricks them somehow, and he ends up going yes. on the ship. And the ship takes off, and of course it blows up in the sky, and then the movie ends abruptly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ship blows up, the end. And don't they have a ha-ha-ha-ha moment at the end there or something? I can't remember. It, it was very odd. It was just yeah. over. It was like, there's the ship, it blows up, everybody's looking, and it's over. Now we will all have a drink. On the house! (laughs) It's done. It's one of those that, for years, I've seen pictures from Uh and seen the poster and wanted it to be more than it was wanted it to be more kitschy and more atomic 50s ish yeah and like i said if it was an american film if it was american international or something like that it might have been yeah but it was almost a typical british film that wasn't hammer you know Hmm. (laughs) well but see you almost make that sound derogatory i don't think it was i mean it's it wasn't bad to me i didn't love it no, it wasn't bad. It just was really plain. It was plain. You know, I mean, that's the, the no, only but, no, probably I don't the best mean... way I can describe it. Is very, it was a very plain film. It was plain. And I don't mean, I didn't mean just this, the way you made it sound. It's like the, the British films are bad. There are plenty of British films you like a lot. It just sounded oh, yeah. like you were putting down a lot of the British films. And there's well, tons no, but of there them. are a lot of them that are, the ones that don't stand out are kind of like this. Yeah. They're made different. It's a different way of making movies it is and they are very just kind of plain and just kind of <sighs> can we get on with it i mean take for instance other movies of this of this ilk like i married a monster from outer space okay mar invaders from mars right a day the earth stood still which is hidden shoulders above a lot of uh this island earth mm-hmm. you know take a lot of those 50s sci-fi movies mm-hmm. compared to this yeah I see you know what, what you're mean? saying. I get There's it. There's a lot more going on. That's and true. And it moves at a little quicker pace, and it doesn't drag down into that one-on-one character development stuff that just well, kind of drags. I, I like the one-on-one character development. 
I don't find when it's done well. Well, that's what I mean. That's the thing. This this was not done well. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm what I mean is they can have a little bit of that, but the way it was done in this, it just kind of the movie dead stops. Yeah, and it has to pick back up and like, oh, the Devil Girl's back. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you almost forgot that that's what the movie was about when it hits those patches in the movie. The plot was very meandering, only there wasn't a plot, if that makes any sense mm-hmm. at all. At no point am I ever completely clear on what her mission is. I mean, like, I kind of get it, and I kind of don't. Yeah, the the pacing of the movie, the, you don't feel any threat. Not you know really, what I mean? yeah. Because, like I said, she comes in and states her case, and, and then, they then talk does about a lot a of walking. Bit, and then they go into some other stuff. And then she comes back, and then she goes away, and they talk about what happened a little bit, and then they go into some other, you know, yeah. the personal stuff for a little, for a while, and then she, she comes back, and then goes away. I mean, you know, it's just, it's uneven yeah. as hell. It is very uneven, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure what she was doing every time she walked away. It's almost like she wanted to go away and just let them yeah. commune yeah. about their fate. And Here's then what I have to say. You guys back. talk about it. I'll be back. Yeah, exactly. It's very weird because she wasn't the reason she was stopped there is because she had some some trouble entering the atmosphere and she she meant to she, hit, hit London, but she had to stop there to repair her ship. Right. But she wasn't doing three repairs. Earth hours. Yes, but she wasn't doing the repairs. The robot was doing the repairs and the ship itself and the, the ship, ship itself. Organic. Right. Because it was organic, yeah. which was interesting. That was kind of an interesting thought, but they didn't go into it in any depth. So Mm-mm. she only talked about it for a second. Yeah, they could have had. More about that, you know. That would have been cool. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, her outfit was was cool though. It was like it was a black fifties kitschy thing. dominatrix almost. Yeah. Leather so, miniskirt and cape and. We didn't go piece. into uh well before you get anywhere else. What's up with the name of this movie, Devil Girl from Mars? Why Devil <laughs> no, Girl? Why not? <laughs> I mean, she doesn't have horns. She's not wearing red. Well, she kind of has horn. The the her hair was, was like, like a cat. flat. No, that was a helmet. Was a helmet? Yeah. Okay. Apparently, I couldn't tell that from the copy we were watching. I do believe it was a helmet. The copy we were watching was pretty dark. Yeah, that that was true. Now I'll have to look and see if maybe YouTube has a better, a clearer copy. We watched a DVD. That was probably an old dollar store DVD. Yeah, I, I mean, there were a ago. few scenes that were so dark, I couldn't even see what happened. Yeah. But yeah, here, I'll pull up a picture. Yeah, I thought her hair was just really flat. I thought it was like that slick down, flat, black look. Apparently not. No, I think it's some kind of head headpiece thing. Headpiece? Okay. Yeah. It's not black hair. Gotcha. In any case. Yeah, anyway. So, you know, we jumped right into this and didn't even talk about the cast or anything. Who's Who's well, in this? The cast, there isn't really a whole... It's nobody I really knew. Yeah, I mean, the few people in it have done other things, but the, the standouts in it, of course, the devil girl herself, uh, Patricia Laffin, did a lot of British TV, uh, a lot of you know, a few British movies, but the, I guess, thing she would be known for was in, being in Quo Vadis, I don't know a, what that is. It's a period piece, a lot of people in it, and I can't tell you a whole lot about it right now. I just know the name of the film. <laughs> kind of like Roman Gladiator's type thing hmm. but the other two that are in it uh hazel court who was in a lot of hammers and aip stuff she's a curse of frankenstein she was elizabeth in that dr blood's coffin she was in the raven with uh vincent price and karloff mask of the red death with vincent price hmm. 
So she was, you know, all over the place. Okay. Know. And which one was she? She was the model. Okay, gotcha. And a beautiful woman. Very good actress. Uh, she's one of those that kind of like everybody likes her. Who's you know, likes Hammer and stuff like that. The other one, Adrian Corey, who was Doris, the barmaid, mm-hmm. who, you know, was in love with the escaped murderer. Right. Was in uh, a few things that I really like, or we both really like. But she's also in Dr. Zhivago. Okay. She was in Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. She's the woman that the Drugies come in and pretty much strip naked in her apartment and rape her right there and in that big scene. She was in Vampire Circus. She's the lead gypsy woman that runs the Vampire Circus, in which we watched not long ago. Right. And she was in Madhouse, one of my favorites. Okay. Vincent Price, Peter Cushion, Robert Quarry. Mm-hmm. I think we did an episode on Madhouse a while back. But she's, uh, you know, has a sizable part in that. Other than that, everybody else in it, like I said, they did a lot of British TV work, some movies here and there, but nothing really notable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quotable lines in here. And Riff Tracks did did this movie. Oh yeah, and it's not MST three K. It was Riff it's Tracks. Riff Tracks. Okay, uh, I haven't seen their version of it, but while we were watching it, it was easy to just throw lines. Oh out. yeah, well yeah, I did some, and I'm not good at it yeah. at all. <laughs> and we'll probably insert some here and there throughout the the podcast. Some I'll find some clips for you to put in because there are some lines that are just like, oh, <laughs> dialogue's horrible. <laughs> I remember one. I don't remember exactly, but. The line is something about they're facing annihilation or certain death, and the one girl says, "Oh, I, I've never faced anything like that before." Oh, <laughs> really? No shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That one killed me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never faced anything like this before, and then it was uh, it was Doris, I think, and then Albert said, "There's never been anything like this before." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what I said. Yeah, as he said it. <laughs> It's really easy to find this movie if you want to watch it, and, and I encourage you know I encourage you to watch it. Uh, <laughs> we had to watch it, uh, so you must <laughs> good, do. bad, or indifferent. You yeah. need to see it for yourself. It appears to be on uh, YouTube. I'm looking at it right now. A couple of different versions of it, but if you would like to own a copy of it, I'm sure that it's easy to find if you want to you know actually pay money and buy a copy. Well, I'm sure you can get it, but you know it's on YouTube, so go watch it. And uh, you too can enjoy the wonderful time of Devil Woman from Mars. Devil Girl from Mars. <laughs> I'm sorry. Devil Girl from Mars. Yeah. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, there you go. Which is probably a better copy than what we watch. Well, well we should have watched it on yeah. there. And there's various DVDs available for, you know, under Random 10 bucks. Prices. <laughs> so, do yourself a, well, I'm not going to say do yourself a favor. Uh, do yourself a favor watch Silent Night Deadly Night too. <laughs> <laughs> but you should watch this too. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know, if you especially all the movies that we see or that we talk about on here, even if we don't love them, are worth a watch because yeah. there's something about them that's worth seeing. If nothing else, it's it's usually just the yeah. In this, it's her outfit. That's that's the big <laughs> that's the coolest thing about this movie. I don't know that robot was pretty neat looking. Yeah, so but, clunky. And the weird saucer. Ship she yeah, had. Saucer was but if you strange. like the 50s atomic age sci-fi movies like we do, then you got to watch this one too. And I think watching a good clean copy of it would would be better. It probably help me because yeah. I had a hard time with the... It was we really should We should have really looked to see if there was a better copy, but I just had the disc, so we just put it in and started watching it. You yeah. Know? Well, next time we'll remember yeah. to do that. 
and we may do it actually again soon. Maybe. You know. We'll see. So I I was trying to think of, like we always talk about music on this. I don't remember any of the music on this being anything that stood out. Do you? Actually, I did find something out about the music. The, it didn't stand out, but I remember thinking that it was pretty good. Yeah, I, it wasn't bad. It so was I, a good, I stand out, I mean good or bad. Yeah, so it, it was didn't, a good it wasn't score. Bad. But the thing about it is the guy that, that wrote the score, because the movie was so low budget, the score was actually, I believe, reused from another movie. Oh, so they just took it from another movie and used it for this. Yeah. Huh. Oh, another thing, too. The the, the sound editor on mm-hmm. the film was Jerry Anderson, Why who do created I know that Thunderbirds. Name? Oh, Yeah, okay. but he's listed as Gerald Anderson in the <laughs> credits. Oh, yeah, there's To save time and money, The um, Edwin Astley was the composer, and he reused his score from a movie called Saber of London. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know that movie, but it fit this one pretty good, I thought. Yeah, I mean, nothing stood out yeah. as being out of place or oh, wrong. Oh, and that's another thing I wanted to mention, though. The plot in reverse of this movie was used kind of for Mars Needs Women. Oh, right. Yeah, we need to watch that one. We need we to watch that. About it. That might be more of what we wanted out of this one, I think. Mm, maybe. Uh, cheesy stuff. Mars Needs Women is basically... Martians come to Earth. Three, I think, three Martians come to Earth because their race is dying out because all the women are having male children or something like that, hmm. or only able to. So they are trying to get, bring some women back to Mars to help repopulate. <laughs> this movie came out in '67. American International Pictures. The oddest thing about this was in '67. Okay, it was a, they made this theatrical movie, but never released it to theaters. It went straight to television. Oh. So it was a made-for-TV movie in okay. 67, which there wasn't. That didn't really The happen. heyday of that was the 70s, yeah. you know, 70s and 80s. So it was very odd. Huh. And it, I need to see this movie. Tommy Kirk, who was in Swiss Family Robinson, Old Yeller, stuff like that. Yvonne Craig, hmm. Batgirl. Yeah. Well, I'm in. Yeah, of course. And it's 67, so it's got to be that you know swinging 60s kind of vibe to it. Wow. And that, I believe, is on Amazon Prime also. Well, I think and we're going to watch that one. DVDs out there of that. We may have to do another podcast on that. We, I think we will. And maybe soon. <laughs> we watch it soon. Indeed. I think that's about it. There's really not a whole lot to talk about about the, either one of these two movies anymore. <laughs> Just watch them yourself. Check them out. That's really all I could say. Yeah. I think. Okay. So the last thing we have to do, I guess, is Planet of the Apes game. <clears throat> yep. To prove the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. You give me somebody or something from the movie we're talking about, the podcast, and I will connect them back to Planet Apes in a few steps as possible. Okay. So we already talked about the girls in the cast or the ladies in the cast earlier, and even I can relate them back to Planet of the Apes because I know that they go to stuff I know, uh, and that's pretty easy. So why don't we do one of the guys? I don't know their names. Michael, the guy that played Michael, the reporter. Okay, What's that his would name? Be Hugh McDermott. Okay, so what else has he done? Or how can you get him to Planet of the Apes? Well, he was in <laughs> a movie called Chato's Land. I have no idea what that is. It's a western with Charles Bronson. Okay. Okay, 1972. James Whitmore was also in that movie. All right. James Whitmore was the. Uh, 
not the lawgiver, but the head orangutan at the trial for in Planet of the Apes for really? uh, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it shows how closely connected Planet of the Apes is with everything. All right. Well, you have once again proven that the world <laughs> does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. All right. Well, I guess that's it. That's all I've got. Happy New Year, everybody. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.